as I was praying and reading one morning, I came across this very familiar passage of Scripture that, that you have read many times, I'm sure. Matthew 26, if you have your Bible. Matthew 26, we're going to look down at verse 6. And I read this, this story that day. And the question that, that burned in my mind after reading this story that day, and remember, I'm praying, God, do you want us to go to leave everything we know? Now, granted, it's not across the world, but, uh, you know, it is leaving everything that we know, everything that our family is comfortable with. And after I read this passage, that, the question in my mind was, what has it costed you lately to worship Jesus? What's it costed you lately to worship Jesus? Matthew 26, verse 6, it says, Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came into him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with, me, with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you again today, and Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity just to be able to physically gather with brothers and sisters in Christ and, and worship you this morning. Thank you for this church. Thank you uh, for that, how they have lifted Jesus up in the past and how they reach out to their community today. And Lord, I pray that if there's anybody in our services this morning who doesn't know you as their Savior, God, I pray you'd help them to see that need this morning. Lord, I pray you would challenge us to grow closer to you today and be what you've called us to be, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, now this passage of Scripture, this is Mary, of course, anointing Jesus' feet and his head. John, the parallel passage over in John tells us that it wasn't just his head, it was his feet as well. And he gives us a few other details, but this was about... Uh, this was the day before the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So Jesus is with his disciples. He's with Mary and Martha. There's a couple other people there at this, at this meal this evening. And, and basically what they're doing is they're getting together for a dinner party. That's what it boils down to. It's really not a whole lot different than maybe what you do at Thanksgiving. Or maybe when you just call your family and friends, hey, Come over and have a meal. Let's, let's fry some fish or something like that. You get together and you enjoy that company, that fellowship. Now think about Jesus. The last three years of his earthly ministry, uh, they're coming to an end. He can't go anywhere without people just, uh, just flogging around him because he's done miracles and, and he's got all these people and people are wanting something from him. And there's other people who want him dead. They're trying to kill him. So they go to the house of Simon the leper. It's in Bethany, it says, and it's a couple miles outside of Jerusalem. And they get together in this home. And for all that's going on outside those doors, for a few minutes together, 
They're there to enjoy one another's company. Mary takes this opportunity to take her alabaster jar, to break it open and go over and worship Jesus at this time, during this time, at this meal. And as she, she did that, well, you remember how much that, the Bible tells us, is costly ointment that Mary poured out on Jesus that day. But do you remember how much it was worth? Does anybody remember? Actually, it's Judas over in the book of John who points it out. He says, that was worth 300 pence. We could have sold that. All right, so we want to think just a minute about how much Mary's ointment was worth, okay? And also it tells us that, that it was a pound of ointment or a half a liter. These bottles here are 16.9 ounces. That's a, that's a half a liter, all right? And when I'm reading... God's word, and a lot of times I like to try to picture in my mind, you know, how much of something. Mary's ointment, her alabaster jar would have held approximately somewhere around that amount right there. Now this is worth about 55 cents, okay? If you buy it in a six-pack, that is. If you go to the gas station where it's already cold, that's more like $2, you know? Now let me, was your dad anything like mine, okay? There were times in my life when I was a kid, we would go in a, in a store and I'd say, Dad, hey, can I get a drink? And many times his response was, no, but when we get home, you can have all the water you want. Anybody ever heard anything like that? A few of you? Well, you know what I'm talking about then, okay? Well, there's been times when $2, that's too costly. We're not doing that. When we get home, you can have all the water you want. All right, now bear with me for a minute. I've got a couple pictures I want to show you. All right, this next, this next picture is worth, it, it, that is, for rednecks like me, okay, that is not channel number five, okay? <laughs> That's Chanel number five, okay? It's a, it's a cologne, a fragrance, okay? All right, if we had 16.9 ounces of Chanel number five, it would be worth almost $3,500. It would be a nice gift, right? Husbands, if you buy that, something $3,500 for your wife on, her, on your anniversary or something, she's tickled to death, right? All right, because I've bought cars that weren't $3,500. All right, so then let's go one more slide. I'll show you. Bear with me. This is the most expensive liquid that I could find on the planet is King Cobra Venom. They take the venom from King Cobras, apparently make um, painkillers and different things with it. But if we had 16.9 ounces of that this morning, it would be worth close to $20,000. Now, a few two-by-fours now are pretty comparable. Wood prices, we were talking about that this morning. Anyway, $20,000, though. Could you imagine something being worth, that amount of something being worth $20,000? That blows my mind. But you remember what Judas said? Talking about Mary's worship. Judas ascribed the value of 300 pence to Mary's worship, which is a pence was a day's wage. So you're looking at 300 days wage. Judas said that her sacrifice was worth. In the uh, United States, there are 264 days is the average working days per year. So Mary's worship that day would have been worth more 
than a year's wages today. So it wouldn't be out of the question to say what Mary had in her alabaster jar that day would have been worth twice what this would be if it were the venom. It could have easily been $40,000, the value of that, according to Judas. And you think about that, now think with me, why would Mary pour that out on Jesus' feet? Why would she pour that on his head? I think it's because Mary realized exactly who Jesus was. She realized this wasn't just a prophet. This wasn't just a good man. This was the Son of God. This was Emmanuel, God with us, who had been promised for years and years before. She realized that she was sitting in his presence. What made her think about that? How did she know Jesus, Mary, the, they're in Simon the leper's home. Simon the leper, uh, I've read, is either Mary and Martha's dad or perhaps Martha's husband. And the way that verse is written, it's implying that Simon the leper is here, that he's in the room. He's eating at the meal. But let's hold on a second. When did a, when did a leper get to go home in the Old Testament? Never. When he had leprosy, that's a death sentence. Unless, unless you knew a man named Jesus and you crossed paths with him. You see, before there was no hope, but now when you've met Jesus and you're a leper, there's hope. You see, I believe Mary's at this meal and she sees Simon the leper sitting there and she's like, wow. She's overcome with emotion, and she just does what's natural. She pours out her, her most valuable, I believe, her most valuable possession in worship to Jesus. I think we got something in common today with Simon the leper. Because you see, this morning, as a sinner myself, there is, there is, I am beyond hope. I don't have any hope of being able to work off my salvation, if you will. I can't give enough money to the church or to missions or anything else to cover my sin. I, I can't do anything. I am without hope until you meet Jesus. Until you realize, like Mary did, exactly who Jesus is. You see, he was God. And he came and about a week later he gave himself as a sacrifice on the cross for you and for me. And when you realize that this morning, that it wasn't for your neighbor, Jesus came for you. When you realize today that Jesus loves you and he came for you, the only response that we can have is to worship him, accept him, to thank him. Jesus was in this room with, with Mary. Simon was over here, I'm sure. But also, you know who else was there? There's a, a guy named Lazarus. John tells us is at this meal. You remember where he was? Just a few days prior? Anybody? He was dead. He was in the tomb. They had the stone rolled up. He was, he was gone. When, remember when Mary and Martha came, uh, or when Jesus got back to, after Lazarus had died? John eleven thirty five. 35. Young people, if you don't know that verse... Memorize it, okay? I'm going to help you. 
It's two words. Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible. Why did Jesus cry that day? Why did Jesus weep? Because his friend was dead. He saw the sorrow in Mary and Martha's heart and he, he hurt with them. Because Lazarus was gone, Mary and Martha said, Jesus, if you had only been here, our brother wouldn't have died. It had been four days and Jesus told him to roll the stone back and he said, hold on now, he, he's going to stink by now. They were, they were beyond hope for Lazarus. And Jesus walks over to the grave and says, Lazarus, come forth. And what happened? My man came out of the tomb with his grave clothes still on. He's alive now. He was dead without hope until Jesus. Same thing for you and me today. We have zero hope of eternity. Nothing. I mean zero with the rim run out. No hope until Jesus. Until Jesus came, he lived. And as I said, about a week after this event, he gave himself on the cross for you and for me. And Mary, uh, you know, there's no one there trying to coerce Mary to do this. This is out of a heart of love for Jesus. And she's just overcome and she worships him by pouring, I believe, her most valuable resource out on Jesus' feet and on his head. And you may say, well, you know what? I'm fresh out of alabaster jars. You know, I don't have any spikenard or costly ointment that I can use to worship Jesus. Well, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you. I don't have any of that either. But you know what I think that, that we all do have, though, is our most valuable resource. Our most valuable resource. And I don't, I don't really think that's what's in our checking account or savings account. I don't think that's what we live in or what we drove to church. I think our most valuable resource this morning is our very life. It's kind of like Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Our very life. And the thing is, you know, each day we pour a little bit of it out. It's not a matter of if we are uh, using our most valuable resource. We are every day. And one day, by the way, that last drop is going to come out. But my question to myself today, my question to you is what are we pouring our lives out on? What are we uh, using our lives for? And if that last drop were to come out this morning, would there be regret today of how we've used that life? And you see, this morning, I'm not trying to say that all of y'all need to go with us to Sevierville, because I know that can't happen. Because God has different plans for me than he does for you. But God has a plan for you. He's got something he wants you to do. I've got a friend. I wish he could have come with me today. His name is Joe Reed. I'm sure nobody here knows Joe. He's from uh, Winfield, Alabama, my uh, Winfield, Ewan area, my hometown. And he works at Pizza Hut. 
Joe is a special needs guy. And uh, he celebrated this past year 30 years of washing dishes at Pizza Hut. Uh, Joe grew up going to that camp. And I told you, he used to live not far from the youth camp. And I grew up going to camp with Joe even though he was 20 years older than me, you know, because he's there every time there's a camp service, or used to be when he lived there. And he would bring his tape recorder to camp. He would plug that baby in. And when the preacher started, he hit record. And there's no telling how many sermons that Joe has on cassette tape today. Um, and there's some things I could tell you about his life that would just uh, rip your heart out today. Uh, but now he lives in some apartments close to the Winfield Free Will Baptist Church and close to Pizza Hut where he can walk to work. And there's nobody that I know personally that, that loves Jesus as, like Joe does and it just shows in his life because he loves going to church. He loves, I, I'm sure this morning, he's probably put something on Facebook about his preacher or about his tie. He likes them Alabama jackets, you know. Y'all probably would like that if I had a picture of it to show you this morning. I'm just playing. But, um, but Joe loves Jesus. What, what is Joe doing with his life? The joy of the Lord is evident in his life. Colossians 3.23 says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men. If we do what God has called us to do, what God has called you to do, as unto the Lord, you're pouring your life out in worship to Jesus every day. That's what Joe's doing. He's... Uh, living his life for Jesus. And it may look different for, for Joe than it does for you or for me. But uh, all the same, pouring our life out in worship to Jesus. So we see Mary's worship here, but also we see uh, the next uh, question, our next uh, point this morning is uh, the disciples' dumb question. You got any teachers here this morning? Got some? All right. I was told as a kid there's no dumb questions. Pretty sure I challenged that a few times, you know, to some of my teachers, and they might would have changed their mind after, I don't know. But there's no doubt about it. The disciples ask a dumb question right here. Look at verse, uh, verse number 8. It says, but when his disciples saw it, they had indignation. And saying, to what purpose is this waste? Do you understand what they're asking? The disciples asked Mary, why did you waste that on Jesus? Are you serious? Why did you waste that on Jesus? What a crazy question. As I said, it was Judas who, who prompted this question. And it even tells us over in John that he was, the, he was a thief and he, he carried the bag or he was the treasure and he had the bag and what it, Judas was in his mind at least was Mary, if you had not done that, I could have sold that for 300 pence and there's no telling how much I could have took off the top and put it in my pocket. That's what Judas was concerned with. He was thinking he could have stolen some of that. And she, he was mad. And you see, Mary is here, and she is pouring out her heart in worship to Jesus. And as she's doing that, it's like she's slapped in the face. No good deed goes unpunished, you've heard said before. 
That was the case for Mary. She, out of a heart of love for Jesus, is worshiping him. And the disciples stop her and say, Mary, why did you waste that? The truth is, Mary is the one who's getting it at this dinner party. Jesus had been telling them that he was leaving. And they didn't really want to believe. And somehow another Mary seems to have gotten the message. She knew that her time with Jesus was precious. And you know what? About a week later, when Jesus was on the cross and in the tomb, when Mary got back home and she was sitting on the, I don't know where she kept her alabaster jar, but she didn't look up there and see that jar and say, you know what? When Jesus was still alive, if I would have just taken that jar, broke it open, and that would have been a nice gesture. That would have been a good act of worship on my part. She didn't have that regret, did she? Because when she had the opportunity, she worshiped Jesus. There's opportunities in our lives that sometimes I act like it's always going to be there. But you know what? None of us are promised tomorrow. There, uh, whatever it is that God has allowed you to, uh, to use in your life to worship Him, take advantage of that time right now while you can. You know the story of uh, Jim Elliott, missionary to the Aka Indians in the 1950s who, who died by the spear of those Indians. A lot of people said then, him and his four friends all lost their life worshiping, trying to get the gospel to those people. And many people said, what a waste. Five young men, what a waste. But do you know what Jim Elliott said? I'm sure you've heard this quote before out of his journal. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So this morning... We see Mary's worship, the cost that it costed her, the disciples' dumb question. And finally, Jesus' response. He says in verse 10, when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. Mary worshiped Jesus with this, and the disciples called it a waste. But you notice there what Jesus called it? said, she's wrought a good work upon me. They called it a waste. Jesus called it a good work. There's always going to be people who, who don't understand why you do what you do. And there may be even people who mean well, but they are in complete opposition to you for some reason, as the disciples were here. But Jesus here, as he responds, he says, why? Trouble ye the woman. We don't know kind of the whole conversation that took place, but it was enough to where Mary, as she's worshiping Jesus, and the disciples start to barrage her with these questions, she's troubled. Uh, anybody like basketball? A couple of you? I officiate basketball, and I've been doing it about eight years now, and when I first started especially, there are times when you get what they call rattled. You know, and I've learned something pretty quick as I started officiating. There's people in the stands who will tell you if you mess up. Did you know that? Well, you did know that because some of you, I've seen you at games, not really. You were screaming at me. No, I'm kidding. But as you're calling, 
if you miss something, you know, the fans say, hey, that was a walk. You didn't call it. And you're like, you know what? I think they're right. I think I missed that. And while you're processing this, something else happens. And then they scream about that. And before you know it, if you're not careful, you can be rattled and you don't know which, which way to turn, to blow your whistle or put it in your pocket and run. You know, you don't know what to do. And I kind of feel like that's where Mary was. She's worshiping Jesus out of a, a love that she has for him. And the disciples are over here just asking all these questions and troubling her. But Jesus calms her distress. Well-meaning people at times are going to trouble you. But you know what? That day in that room, it didn't matter what Judas thought. It didn't matter what James or Andrew or John thought. It didn't matter what Martha or anyone else who was there. It didn't matter what they thought. The only one who mattered was Jesus. And he corrected the disciples thinking he said that's when he told them there you know you're gonna you're not gonna have you have the poor with you always but you're not gonna have me always basically Mary's chosen the most important thing today those opportunities that you have to worship Jesus time can steal those from us if we're not careful listen to this quote about time from Harvey McKay he says time is free but it's priceless you can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. Once you've lost it, you can never get it back. You know, Psalms, throughout Scripture, we're taught to think about our days. Psalms chapter 90, verse 12 tells us to number our days. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, walk carefully redeeming the time. James tells us that our lives are like what? Like a vapor. They're here for a second, and then they're gone. So it's so important what we choose to do with Jesus in our life. How we choose to pour out our life. You know, um, Mary uh, and Jesus, I'm sorry, in this last verse, where sure of this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. Jesus kind of uh, memorialized a little bit of, of what Mary did for him that day. How appropriate. Someone who loved him so much he said, from now on, when they talk about this, Mary's going to be remembered. Here we are, 2,000 years later, still talking about what Mary did that day. And with this, I'll close, okay? Uh, how are you going to be remembered? You know, I, as I think about my family and about our boys and leaving all that they know, I think about my life and about uh, how I want my boys to remember me. If, you, if, you, if I give you a name today, immediately something comes in your mind. Uh, let's see, let me try it. Uh, Reed Drummond, any, any women know who I'm talking about? What, is it, what comes in your mind when I say her name? Pioneer woman, food, I'm hungry. That's what comes in my mind. All right, um, Michael Jordan. There you go. Thank you, buddy. Somebody was listening. You go, uh, you can throw out a name, and immediately you associate something with that name. What about with your children? 
with your grandchildren, you give them your name. When I'm gone and somebody says my name to my boys, you know what I want them to remember, to know, to associate with my name as someone who loved Jesus. Someone who worshipped Jesus with their life. You know, this next section, this last, last picture this morning, our family, God, I believe, is calling our family to go and to pour out the next section of our lives, however that long that may be, right there to plant this Free Will Baptist Church, 24-7 church. You know, if, uh, if God has tapped you on the shoulder today and he's encouraged you to partner with us, I, wanna, I would love for you to do that. And again, you can do that through prayer and, and the financial support. We, we love that and we need that, but beyond that, what is God calling you to today? You know, I believe we all fit in, in one of three groups here. I, I believe we're, uh, you might be here and you might be like Mary, and you are actively trying to worship Jesus with your life. If that's you today, I want to encourage you, don't quit. Don't quit because it's worth it. Your worship with Jesus in your life, it's worth it. Don't quit. You might be here, and you might be like the disciples. And if I'm honest this morning, I've been in this category more than I really probably would want to admit. But they loved Jesus. They had left all and followed Jesus. But for some reason, this evening when they were getting together for this meal, they lost their focus. They loved Jesus, they left all, but they had lost their focus. And I think that happens to us sometimes. Things, life happens. And things, before you know it, your priorities are out of line and your, your focus is not really what it ought to be. That could be you today. If that is, I want to encourage you, Jesus, he loves you. He's still got a plan for you. He wants to use you today. And finally, this morning, it's kind of scary to think about. But you may be here today and, and you're, you really have more in common with Judas. See, Judas knew Jesus. He had spent the last three years with him. But he didn't really love him. That seems so much right here. There's such a stark contrast between the worship that Mary offers to Jesus and Judas's selfish desire for himself. If you're here today, my question to you is, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Because more than any other decision you ever make, that's the one that's going to matter. What you do with Jesus. Let's all stand this morning. As we'll uh, have... A verse of some song being prepared this morning. I wonder if the Lord has spoken to your heart today. You know, if you are here today and, and you fell into that last category, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you know what? You're in, the, you're in a perfect place. God has brought you here today. 
and his, if His Spirit has spoken to you this morning and helped you to realize that you don't know Him as your Savior, you know what He did? He proved just about a week after these events that we've read about that He loves you. He went to the cross and He died for you so that you could know Him as your Savior. 